for listening to ATN Perspectives. Welcome to ATN Perspectives for our first episode for 2022. I'm your host, Luke Shee, the Executive Director of the Australian Technology Network of Universities. Please subscribe to our podcast through Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts apps. Well, 2022 has started and it is already a difficult and complicated year. We have floods throughout the east coast of Australia. The pandemic is still with us. We have a federal election on the way, which is both an opportunity and scary for some. And of course, uh, all our thoughts are with the Ukrainian people at this time, uh, given the conflict with, with Russia in Europe. And we hope that there's a peaceful resolution as soon as possible. This year, I'm starting our podcast and I wanted to focus on something positive and some positive news. So I'm delighted to be joined by my friend, Professor Alex Zielinski, AO, the Vice-Chancellor and President of the University of Newcastle, who hopefully is going to share some good news about campus reactivation and some of the good work that's happening at our new member, the University of Newcastle. A warm welcome to ATN Perspectives, Alex. Thank you, Luke, and it's great to be part of the ATN family. And uh, Really delighted to be able to help with this podcast and really want to say that for us it's very important to be part of a like-minded group advocating for you know, STEM issues, which are very important for, you know, for the higher education sector, particularly around things such as research, commercialisation, etc., which we'll talk about later on. But really the question at hand is how's life at the beginning of 2022? In some ways we're pretty very pleased that things have improved for us in terms of students returning to campus post-COVID. And I've got to say, you know, Luke, you're probably up here, you remember you might have been up here a couple of weeks ago and you saw green shoots here. Well, that was uh, our um, orientation week. And uh, it's probably the biggest one we've had in several years. And pre-COVID, I'm talking about as well as during COVID, it was completely uh, dashed. But uh, we've now had a, a really strong response. And, and it's very clear from the students, they tell us uh, they want to be on campus and doing face-to-face learning. They want online resources, so it's not purely face-to-face or just online. They've had the full online experience and they've realised they want some face-to-face. So we're going to try to do an optimal blending experience for them. That's the challenge, I think, for universities, how to offer the advantages of online with the uh, intimacy of face-to-face and learn with fellow students and get that one-on-one interaction with academics as required when, when needed. Well, it is absolute delight to have University of Newcastle in the ATN and you serve such a diverse and large part of New South Wales and, of course, internationally as well, ranging from Gosford into the central coast and Arimba, uh, right throughout the Hunter and Newcastle, and an area that is going through a lot of industrial transformation and change. And it's terrific to have such a strong equity orientated university in that part of the world where we know there is social disadvantage and one of the best ways to overcome that disadvantage for both Australians and of course our First Nations people of course is to get access to education and we've heard the calls from our federal government and our federal minister and prime minister about getting people back to campus and you're right I was delighted to be up with you a couple of weeks ago to see that activity back on at the Callaghan campus. What's happening at your other campuses, Alex? And and is, is there lots of demand for education that we're seeing in this time of economic recovery? Well, certainly, you know, as you know, 
University of Newcastle, big presence here in Newcastle with two campuses, and we're trying to do very much what other universities in cities are doing, to have a, a city presence well, as well as a suburban type of uh, presence. And a lot of universities are trying to do that, and we're no different there. But we also have a very important role on the Central Coast. It's quite a disadvantaged area in terms of participation rates in higher education, down as low as 15% and lower in some parts, a lot of in high Indigenous student population, etc. So we have now started to offer courses there. We've been offering courses there for nearly 25, 30 years, but we're now upping our investment and trying to seek more students to get involved there. There's a very big cohort, uh, Luke, that comes through non-traditional pathways other than the HSC. So we've got a large enabling program there and we we, we take students through that. So that's a student who hasn't finished the HSC and has maybe gone off to work or done other things and they're coming through in that way. So they do the one-year program, then they move on. Whereas the University of 35,000 students and a quarter of our students have come through the enabling program and half our students are first in family. And we've got 4.1% of our students are Indigenous, highest numbers in the country. So we do play that role in places such as Central Coast that enabling equity uh, element is very important. We also have two campuses, one in Sydney and one in uh, Singapore, which are very much around the international play. These are two global hubs. Uh, while we like to think Newcastle is an important city, it's not a global hub yet, uh, but uh, we, we certainly think Sydney's a, an important market where we bring in complementary programs to what we're trying to achieve and also some of our students can enrol from there as well as also from Singapore and uh, as, a, as a bit of a stepping stone and gateway into other parts of the Asia-Pacific but also into Australia. Uh, I want to touch on the enabling program and I, over the last couple of years, have had the great privilege of coming up to Arimba and talking to both students and staff in the enabling program. I've met former politicians who've taught in that program. It is iconic, really, in the Australian higher education system. And I'm glad that we could work with you in the last couple of years to help defend that because there is nothing more transformative than getting people into university. And for whatever reason, we know that people in poorer and more disadvantaged areas of this country struggle to get to, into university. And it really is inspiring. And I encourage listeners who will get the opportunity to go to the University of Newcastle or have a look and see what they're doing, because enabling courses really do change lives. And the number of First Nations students you have, Alex, is, is another inspiration and something I'm really proud of as part of now the broader ATN family. I think it's fantastic. And I think we've really answered the call of our minister and our federal government to get students back on campus. And I know that we've had a few blips. We had an Omicron breakout in Newcastle, which uh, delayed some of those return to campus activity. But it is really, really exciting to see our campuses come back to life. It's also fantastic to see some of our international students come back. And I, I thought last count, we've had more than 100,000 students come back to Australia. How's your international enrolments looking, Alex, uh, both here in Australia and in Singapore? Certainly. I was uh, a little bit more than a week ago, I was in Singapore and uh, came, when we opened up our new offices and teaching spaces and we've been able to work with the Singaporean government to open up in the National Library of Singapore, which is a very good location and uh, we think it's a, a great partnering opportunity there. Our student numbers are now improving in Singapore. We're attracting more students. Uh, the Singaporean government is really looking at lifelong education, reskilling agenda, and uh, that's exactly where we play. And uh, so it's quite a, a complementary programs to what we offer here. So 
things are improving in the Singapore market. And then there's the international market more broadly. We've now opened borders, so international students are returning. I still note there's still 135,000 students still offshore uh, wanting to return to Australia. Sydney Airport's only operating about 20 to 25% of its capacity. So we've still got a significant time to get you know, people back. So I'm expecting so hopefully by the end, middle of the year we'll have all the Australian students who want to start, sorry, international students who want to study in Australia here. But also in terms of enrolments, uh, we were initially a, bit, a little bit pessimistic and wanted to, when we were budgeting in November, December, despite all the good offers of prospects, it, it wasn't clear when the borders were going to open. And also the market was responding with students not enrolling or deferring. So we were looking at an, about a 25% decline on the previous year's enrolments. As we sit here today in early March, we're looking at a 14% decline. So it's on the original numbers, which is actually um, a very big improvement for us. That's in the space of literally two, three months. Uh, the numbers have come right back. And what we're seeing is a lot of students thinking about coming in the second half or the what we call a trimester enrolment in the September, October timeframe, and uh, we're seeing numbers come back. So if this continues, I'm hopeful that by 2023 we may have rebuilt our international student market. And for us, it's about 7,500 students, so just under 20% of our load. It's fantastic. And I think uh, we talk about Newcastle. It's a wonderful city. So I think Australia's best kept secret is a breathtakingly beautiful uh, coastline, beaches. But I think uh, University of Newcastle and, and your international students and university presence, both in the city, Callaghan and elsewhere, really will help make Newcastle become a global city in, into the future. So we're very encouraged by those positive numbers, Alex, for you. I know that our ATN colleagues are experiencing better demand than they'd had anticipated, and that is good news for both our international students who we know want to come back or come to study with us in Australia. We look forward to welcoming you to our beautiful country and, of course, to our students and staff at our universities. We have said consistently over the last two years since our borders have been closed that our universities aren't really complete until we get our friends from across the world back onto our campuses. So it's fantastic and I look forward to continuing chatting with you and and your team around how we continue to work to get international students back. I know it's been a long journey and we've worked closely with the government and a big shout out, I must say, to the Liberal and National State Government in New South Wales who really have shown incredible leadership on bringing back international students and the support for international education. So I wanted to particularly shout out to them and you're lucky to be in the heart of New South Wales. So thank you to Premier Perrottet uh, and particularly in his time as Treasurer as well and, of course, Stuart Ayres and the whole team there, they've done a fantastic job of showing some leadership in that front. And we're certainly uh, appreciative of the uh, state government accepting that we have to live with COVID and then ha- thinking about what businesses can be enabled quickly and started up or restarted. So now we've had nothing but green lights from the state government and certainly around the, uh, even with the early stages where there was some quarantining required, we all worked very co- collaboratively. There's, you know, the New South Wales Vice-Chancellors, there's 11 universities here and it was all very good uh, how it was done. So I think that really set the tone for the rest of the nation and I think it's just great to see things coming back our way. Yes, I must say as a Victorian, sometimes I have to grimace when I'm congratulating New South Wales, but this is well and truly deserved in this in this regard. You've touched on 
on businesses and industry a little bit, but this is a big area of interest for the federal government. The role of universities contributing more explicitly to the national economic fortunes and future prosperity of our country. I was really thrilled to be chatting to some of your research team when I was up on the campus a couple of weeks ago and hearing that at least or around half of your industry, uh, sorry, around half of your research now is funded by industry. That's a fantastic thing. And that's certainly something that the Commonwealth Government and the Prime Minister and, and the Education Minister are very interested in. We've seen lots of policies around that and we'll talk about some of those in a minute. I'm wondering how, how are you encouraging industry on campus, Alex, and, and what's happening at Newcastle for our listeners in that space? When we talk about industry, we take industry in almost like quotes. Yes, primarily we work with businesses, you know, our commercial for-profit businesses. We also work for not-for-profits, community-based industry, you know, and also like the Department of Health, you know, working on public health outcomes, which we attract significant funding. And in recent times, we've also attracted significant funding from philanthropic organisations. So, for example, the Mark Hughes Foundation is uh, sponsoring a $7.5 million for a chair in brain cancer research. And that is a, a fantastic contribution, totally funded off the, you know, not from government, not from, from industry, but actually through a philanthropic organisation. It's, uh, it's based here in Newcastle. It's uh, Mark Hughes, you might not know, was a, fa- a well-known rugby league player here for the Newcastle Knights who suffered brain cancer. And so this he's then set up this uh, element. And they've got a very good community-based uh, program there. You probably remember those beanies? That's the program, and it's gone national, and we're trying to, you know, obviously work on solving problems. And, of course, there'll be translation to industry, to the, to the medical system, but that kind of support we never would have imagined years ago. But I just wonder, not that I want to highlight that as the only way we do things, but we have very strong connection and roots back to industry here. When the university was initially founded, it was founded almost like a BHP university. It was here to train the workforce for the steelworks, for the mines, for the heavy industry. And then we branched out into health. That was our first. And then we've sort of built out the other, the professions, business, law, humanity. So the university is like full spectrum. But we've also retained that element of engagement. Engagement is the big thing we're doing. So, for example, we're very engaged now with the industry to think about how to transition to renewables. But we're not just looking at it from, you know, in point of view of how to look at wind or uh, maybe solar cells or, you know, batteries. We've actually looked at it from an industrial perspective because we need hydrogen as a renewable that can actually power a smelter power a a gas-powered fire station in the ultimate. So we're big producers of energies, big consumers. So we are doing that. And, for example, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, BHP announced that our university was its global partner to look at how to put hydrogen into steelmaking, how to make blast furnaces less reliant on coal. And uh, it's not taking it to zero, but it's the first step by reducing emissions that's the kind of work we do, work with the industry to get a, a transformative outcome for the area. So the hunter will be more prosperous and have a long-term sustainable future if it switches over over time into low emissions carbon fuels and embraces the hydrogen economy, which could ultimately also be an export for us. And uh, and we have, if people don't know, the listeners, we have the world's largest coal export facility here in the 168 million tonnes of coal go out. Now, that facility will run for the next 20, 30 years, but it definitely is going to be in a sunset 
And our job at the university is help the, the economy here at the Hunter diversify. And we're looking at everything from hydrogen through to medical technologies, defence industries. We've got the RAF base here where the F-35 fighter is based and the, the industries that sit around that, and as well as also advanced manufacturing. It's, it's terribly exciting. And, you know, I can only imagine as a child, I remember growing up in Victoria, going down to the Trove Valley and seeing that kind of peaty brown coal that we have here down south, not like your lovely black coal up in New South Wales. But thinking now, many years later, that we will have a new energy economy, you know, with hydrogen, with renewable energies, and it will not only transform how we live and work, but also our industries and underpin continuing industries. That's really exciting. But also for me, it's really exciting how universities are playing a central role in that and how important it is for universities to be the anchors for research and development, the new technologies, the close to market technology development, particularly in energy. It's such an important area, but also so many other areas as you've pointed out. And I think as well, and this happens right across the ATN and I think a unifying part of our shared ethos is that while we're transforming industries and technologies for you know the way we live and work, we're giving those people from all walks of life access to the skills they need to get into those jobs. And really that's kind of baked into the ATN's DNA is giving people the skills they need for the world of work and we've done it for a long time. Uh, and we're delighted that the University of Newcastle has joined us because we are all like-minded institutions and it's a wonderful thing. There's nothing more exciting to see people having positivity and and, and really great prospects for a, a lifelong career in an emerging and new industry. I'll be thrilled to see when some of those things really change the face of Newcastle and we're exporting all of our technologies into the future and continuing that prosperity. Prosperity is something that the federal government uh, is very interested in and, and, and leveraging our, our universities. So I wonder if we could talk a little bit about some of the recent policies we've seen from the government. We had an announcement about trailblazer universities and, of course, more recently, $1.6 and, and scaled up to $2.2 billion for Australia's economic accelerator uh, as part of what the government's calling a research commercialisation action plan. Alex, University of Newcastle is, you know, really at the centre of the thinking of this policy development. How are you guys responding to it and, and what opportunities do you see in those announcements? Thanks, Luke. And I've got to say, firstly, we really do welcome the $2.2 billion announcements from the federal government. This is new money and it's very uh, directed and it's uh, building out uh, from, you know, very strong foundations Australia has in discovery science and technology elements to more around the translation and ultimately commercialization and, and pickup of these uh, uh, of developments or discoveries that are made in the university. So we're very um, excited. The fact that I, I think why the policy has been accepted so well is because the government did a really good job in consulting. And uh, I certainly need to you know, congratulate the, the head of the, um, the committee there, the CEO of Siemens. Uh, Jeff Connolly, yes. Thank you, uh, Luke. And Jeff did a really good job, I think, in terms of looking at what works and then picking up on it. And one of the things that works was doctoral training centres. And Newcastle University has been championing those for years, and that's how we work. And I'm just pleased to see that uh, that kind of program will be rolled out nationally. It's the right way to do things with industry. The Trailblazers, it's also a very good initiative. To tell you the truth, I think we could have a few more. 
uh, rather than the four that's been uh, signaled. If, if Minister Roberts listening, I think we could do with five or six. I know there's eight have been shortlisted. We're one of the shortlisted uh, parties working in partnership with University of New South Wales, it's focused on recycling and uh, renewable energy, which is exactly where our strengths lie. So I think it's a great partnership there. And I think we need to do that kind of work. And I think that's a great, another initiative which will accelerate this uh, translation from discovery to outcomes, which actually have are picked up by business and ultimately drive economic outcomes and prosperity for our nation. Part of the government's approach, with particularly with trailblazers and the economic accelerator, is having universities find co-funding from industry. I talked earlier about the incredible, incredibly high amount of industry-funded research that's happening at Newcastle. How do you do it, right, Alex? You're really a model for this across the sector. How do you find those industry partners? And particularly interest, I think, to a lot of people who know ATN, how do we do it with SMEs as well? Like how do we get them, particularly if their capital has been more of a complex and difficult area to access for them uh, during COVID? But you guys are doing it really well. So what's the secret? It all starts with the undergraduate program. We do actually uh, work integrated learning for everyone. So we actually call our program Life Ready Graduates. So they've got work skills, community-minded, and a healthy body and mind. We want to produce graduates that are well-rounded in every way rather than just uh, people who go and work in the economy. It's much more than that. So every student of the Yale University will have work integrated learning experience, which is a placement and uh, actual placement. That's a, a big task. We're about 60% of the way there for every student and undergraduate, which is uh, across every course we're talking about. So that makes it challenging. But where we have got high penetration, Luke, is already in those science, technology, health areas and education. So that's where we're, you know, we're, we're moving ahead. And because we our students are placed in businesses and our academics know about what the businesses are doing, it generally leads to conversations. And some of the things we do is just do some studies with them. might even be starting with an honours project or actually then building out into PhD studies. But this is what our doctoral training centres are. It's actually the, the students are actually working on industry problems sponsored by industry, with industry, with academia, and all the IP issues and all that's just sorted out. And quite frankly, we expect that the students who graduate with PhDs go and work for the company and take their innovation and their intellectual property there and then make the company more successful. And guess what? It leads to more research back towards us. And we've got a very successful relationship with Amp Control. Amp Control is one of Australia's largest privately held electrical engineering companies, started in the uh, mining industry providing underground power. But it's now gone out out into doing tunnelling, remote power stations, etc., and guess what? We've got a, a joint company with them called ResTech. Amcontrol owns 70% of it. We own 30% and uh, it develops technology that's from the university through students and staff. Amcontrol, ResTech have now got 35, 40 people here on the campus, co-located, doing project work with us and it all just flows through. And our research ends up in their products and they, they're now exporting around the world. Give you a sense of what they're doing. I mean, they during the COVID crisis, they made medical ventilators for New South Wales government. We made the first prototype in two weeks and then had the whole thing up and running literally months and at a fraction of the cost of what imported products cost. So immediately uh, sold that 
global supply chain problem. But now working on electric vehicles for mines and for airports, etc. So quite an amazing company. And uh, but it's done through hand in hand working through, them. and it goes through that chain of work in grad learning. Our, our students, our graduates are employed by the company. We do research with them. They have PhD employed people working on development programs. You do co-work on projects, look ahead, and then co-invest together by you know, sharing facilities and working together. So this doesn't come a, across in, you can't do that in you know a year or two. It takes many years and we've got a, a long history of working with them, but we're not standing still. And we're now building out those kind of relationships with other companies. I'm hoping that the modern manufacturing initiatives will be announced by the federal government soon. And there are a number of major companies that are seeking to relocate into the Hunter because of the university and what we can offer through this industrial partnership. I can't say who they are. I don't know whether they're successful. So we're hoping for an, an outcome there. And if that is, that'll only build the kind of momentum around being Australia's economic accelerator for businesses. And by the way, the other bit there, Luke, is to blow our trumpet, is small businesses, startups, etc. Not many people, you might have recalled at COP26, there was a global startup competition that ran there. There was 2,700 companies put forward their cases for the best company. And the winner was MCI, which is based here at Newcastle, Newcastle Technology. And is the, so it's the number one clean energy technology startup in the world is here. That's what we're about. Yeah, I imagine there wouldn't be many people down in Sydney or Melbourne or that would think, you know, renewable energy startup and think Newcastle. But there you go. It is really amazing hearing about what's really happening at Newcastle. And one thing I think across the ATN with 300,000 students and talking about how bringing students into industry and work integrated learning over a long time, that reaps so many benefits for both the student, both businesses, our connections, and we have 300,000 entrepreneurs ready uh, and starting across our university. So it is exciting to hear all of the things that are happening in Newcastle and, and just the great opportunity that comes from having such a wonderful iconic university like Newcastle in, in, in that city and, and in the Hunter region and throughout the Central Coast and in Singapore and in Sydney. So it's been absolutely wonderful talking to you. Weirdly, we've run out of time. And for listeners, we did have a few technical uh, glitches. So this is our third attempt to record this. So I wanted to thank you uh, in the podcast, Alex, for your patience and forbearance with us. But it's been a really great conversation. We're absolutely thrilled to have you as part of the ATN. It's, it's a great privilege for me and an honour for me to, to advocate on Newcastle behalf when we do our, our advocacy and public affairs work on behalf of our universities. Thank you for being our first guest for uh, ATN Perspectives in 2022 and we're delighted we can travel now so we look forward to seeing you and everyone at the University of Newcastle again soon, more and more face-to-face. Again, thank you for your time and um, good luck with some of those future announcements. I'm sure the University of Newcastle will be right they're at the centre of success in those government programs and um, we look forward to hearing about that soon and we'll have you on soon again. Absolutely. Thanks, Luke, and thank you to the ATN and thanks for allowing us in to join up because I think it's a fantastic network. I think it's one of the most effective ones that work with a very focused agenda for, the, uh, for higher education in our country. So well done and uh, we're very willing to put our shoulders to the wheel and uh, assist you to deliver for the nation. 
Please subscribe to the ATN Perspectives podcast via all channels like Spotify, Google and Apple.